available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, the dulcet tones of David and Ryan, we bring you the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football, which is now dead. No more Pac-12 football, David. We got to think of a new thing to say. Yeah. Uh, formerly Pac-12 football? Uh, yeah. Is that simple enough for our brains? Yeah. The, uh, it could be. The once in future Pac-12? Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to recap the uh, national championship game where uh, Washington uh, got smoked by Michigan. But, you know. Okay. Let's start right there. They didn't get smoked. They lost by three touchdowns. Okay. But it was a it was a one score game in the fourth quarter. So if you doubled their score, would they have won? Look, <laughs> at different points, maybe. Yes. Earlier in the game, but sure. not at the final score. Not no. at the final. No, 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 certainly not the final. Um, but we're back. We're back in studio, and I just noticed this is the first time we're both in studio uh, in the new year. Happy New Year from uh, our studio. I think last show I was uh, out in the desert. Uh, with COVID, and so David uh, ran that one. We're back in studio doing our regular thing uh, across the podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you do have the Apple Podcasting app and or any of the, the apps and you want to leave us a rating and review, follow us, subscribe to the channel uh, for Pac-12, the Pac-12 podcast, which we'll continue to be, continue to talk about uh, former Pac-12 football teams. Um, you can do that. And I don't know if we have any new reviews on the Apple podcasting app, David. We have, uh, one new review. Okay. This is from Depot, uh, open hyphen. That's it. Five-star review. The best intro. This show has the best intro in the podcast universe. Please don't change it after the Pac-12 network turns off the lights. It is a steep decline after the intro. Keep it mediocre, boys. Five stars and go dogs. Oh, nice. Thank you very much. Thanks for that one. And uh, so, yeah, so we're, if you're a podcast listener, that's awesome. We love it. But if you're streaming us uh, live on our YouTube channel, that is great as well. We are live on our YouTube channel. We'll continue to do that, which is a lot of fun. Um, we got a bunch of users in the chat. Shout out to Scott and Cam and Amy and West Texas Mike and everyone for coming in. And I know more people join uh, as we go. So thank you uh, for doing that as well. You can reach us a number of different ways. Most of the time, we get emails, packedofpodcasts at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678. And then uh, you can go to the website, packedofpodcasts.com, or tweet us uh, at pack12podcast. I haven't even looked at the emails, David. Do we have a bunch since the last show? Or? I don't think it's a bunch, but we've got a few. 
Oh, we got, got a, a couple. Voice, oh, we got a voice. We got a I'm handful. We have, have to download this voicemail as we're going since uh, came in this one hot. I have ants in my brand new kitchen. In right? your pants? In, not in my pants. Hopefully not. Uh, but you start feeling them when you see the ants. In your pants. Kitchen remodel to the studs. And uh, started getting some ants. And I don't even have that much food in there. I've like consolidated a lot of stuff. They were getting into like sealed peanut butter jars. It's insane. Um, that could be a coincidence rather than a... Uh because it's very cold outside. When it's very cold outside, ants like to come inside. Yeah, my neighbors, like we're in a townhome complex. Neighbors were getting some too. And I've put like traps outside, like figure they're coming in through the windows or whatever. So like in the, the dirt around, like in the plant bed. And I was like trying to kill them wherever I could. But I think they're actually coming through. My neighbors, like I think they're coming like through the walls. So I'm getting more traps. I got to move the stove and put stuff behind there. I don't know. Just, so I was dealing with that this morning. So I'm a little, I come in hot. I haven't looked at the questions or anything yet. So the big thing, the big thing is, um, and I know you're kind of a neat freak. Um, when you put the plant, the traps out, the ones that like have poison in them, uh, they have to carry it back to their homes. You also can't clean up the rat trail, the little trail of bodies like that are there. You want to leave them so that they carry the bodies back too, because they'll often clean up their own bodies. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So you want to do a little bit of that too. Uh, Like wait, wait, like, you know, six hours, maybe a full day if you can, if you can bring yourself to do it when they're they're trailing out of the little trap. Um, But yeah, also bag up all your food, put it all in Ziplocs instead of, uh, you know, whatever you have them in. It's a, the pantry, like I have, um, you know, like sugar and and all that. So I bought like sealed containers for all that stuff. So all my flour, sugar, like all that stuff is in containers. And like, it's like a peanut butter jar that was just open, but just closed, you know, but I guess I'll have to put that. Yeah. Those screw top things aren't perfectly sealed. No. Um, I had honey because I used honey in yeah. my tea. Like they got into the freaking into yeah. that, like a big jar. I just threw it away. Like son of a bitch. Honey's not cheap. Yeah. Um. So bag yeah. it all up. Ziploc. Ziploc will keep the ants out. I bought like a um a spray that's like a it's like a minty spray, so it's like good for like the kitchen or food. But yeah, I'll spray them and kill them and I'll just kind of leave them there for a little bit. It, it You're spraying them with a minty spray? Yeah, it's like this. I would worry that they'd be attracted to something like that. It's a no, it kills them. Well, yeah, it might kill them, but they might be attracted to it. It's Maybe like, it does. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's like fire. Yeah. Uh cool. All right. Well, we gotta uh Well, that was uh some home care conversation yes i think we need that kind of stuff yeah we do it's the off season we're now officially in the off season oh i got to change up uh change up the uh, graphic when we put it on the front page because we have like our in-season graphic i think that's next week this is still covering an in-season result okay um okay oh uh scott says apparently store-bought traps don't work for carpenter ants I don't know if you have carpenter ants. Though. I'm not sure what they are. Do you see um, the little traps that have bait? And like, do you see them like in the trap, or do they? Yeah, get yeah, it? I see them go in, and and then uh, they go out. Okay, so they don't stay in there. They're not like trapped. No, no, no. The idea. So if you were trying to trap all of the ants that are likely in your house, right? Yeah, you would have hundreds of thousands of ants in a trap. Do you think they would fit? Probably not. No. Probably not. Um, do you think they would maybe get a little bit worried when they're walking up to the little trap to get their like delicious food and they see, oh, 90,000 of my brothers and sisters are dead. Oh, I'm going to try some too. No, I mean, uh, so they take a little bit and then they bring it back home and then they spread it around all their friends and then it kills the queen, kills everybody involved. 
Gotcha. Um, that's the design of a lot of those, like poison filled traps. Especially if, if you ever have cockroaches, that's also what they do. Okay, like you get those little traps, and then they all get bombed. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll see them kind of congregate around it and then leave. And if you're doing it right, uh, the problem should go away within a couple of days if you've got the right traps. Uh, sounds good. Uh, oh wait, we got the wrong comment up here. Let me. Uh, West Texas Mike has a comment. A Pac-12 team played for a national title, and we're leading with home pest control. Uh, yes. Is this your first day? <laughs> like, are you new here? Yeah. Yeah. What, like, you don't come here because we're going to lead we're gonna, with Washington in the national championship Because game. there's going to be, like, good and cogent conversation about football? Yeah. You out of your mind? I, I, I don't get it, West Texas Mike, you know? Yeah. Um, you're going to have to super chat just to get back in our uh, good graces. So, okay. No, but thank you. Um, I guess we could talk about this game. Uh, Michigan um, beat uh, the Washington Huskies 34-13. Was that the final? Yeah, 34-13. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was um, It was a game. It was like we had really good. Okay, you're you're clearly angered about this game because you picked wrong. Like, let's just put all our cards on the table. Oh no, no. Like you are angry you about the wrong. result. We went the same. I don't care though. You care. You cared when you were beating me. Sure, sure. No, no. But you care because you you picked wrong. Like no, that's no, no, why no, you're no, upset about Washington. No, I wanted, I wanted Washington to win. Right. I, I was really before the game. I was like the the line was creeping up. I'm like. I think I should just bet on Michigan. Like, I literally was right. going to go against my pick. I, I, well, I wasn't shocked that this happened. But I'm, I'm, I, seeing, I'm nice. seeing Mark in here say horrible game as well. And so I I don't think I want to reframe game. the narrative about this game. because we had two really good games in the semifinals. And I just think this was kind of a close. It wasn't a great game. It okay. wasn't a really good game. But it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. And Kaelin DeBoer went into halftime saying some confident things, and it felt at that moment fully justified. That Washington was only down, whatever it was, seven at the half? Yeah. That they were only down seven at that point in the game was startling and worrying for Michigan because Michigan had dominated the game for most of the first half, and Washington still only had a one-score loss. And you're thinking, oh, you know, Phoenix at some point here – I got to just stop doing it because I'm not even making jokes about it anymore. Penix at some point is going to um, uh, uh, get it going, hit a couple throws, and this is going to be a game. Now, that didn't end up happening. They scored three more points after halftime, and it was, you know, over. Um, But there was, I mean, there was a lot of, for a game that ended with a three-score win for Michigan, there was some suspense. There was some drama for a lot of it. It's just... What what prevented it from happening was Washington's offensive players, like their star playmakers, played their C game, considering the defense they were going against. Like Penix, you know, we saw this a little bit in October and November where he got a little less accurate. And, you know, I think there was some speculation that he might have been dinged up. This was much more that Penix from the end of the season. Um, and then his receivers were also not making plays the way they'd made plays against Texas, the way they'd made plays all year. Uh, and that result was like, you know, that's unfortunate. But a lot of it was dictated by Michigan's defense. Like their defensive line was really impressive, put a ton of pressure on Penix and made it very, very hard for him to do anything. Um, now, uh, the but but they were always just one throw away like that, that, that holding call that prevented the deep. Uh, sideline out to Adunze. That was tough. 
that was it was really tough and it was like a a turning point in the game yeah. because if they make that throw I don't know. Maybe they get a little bit of con- – because clearly confidence and, like, pressure on them and, like, a lot of that was playing a role in how they're performing. If suddenly you hit a big play, maybe that shifts. Maybe that whole feeling yeah. shifts. Those play were like those plays were like a dime a dozen before, and then they were just really hard to come by. And then you get one, and it gets taken away. I think it, it took a lot out of them because you were, like, finally break through. You're like, oh, yeah, we can – you felt like they could do it again. Like, oh, we can make a bunch of these plays downfield. And that one gets taken away. You're like, I think it was deflating. I think yeah. that, that was like, it just seemed to die after that. Super deflating. And like, look, Penix didn't play a good game. Like, that was a huge part of it. I mean, that the interception to, to start the second half. Holy crap. Was well, it was just, it, it's the kind of mistake that's just like, oh, you, you see a lot younger players making that mistake. Because basically what it was is I he didn't throw it far enough out of bounds. Like, I... I I think I'm pretty sure it was a throwaway. I didn't see any of the commentary about it afterwards, but it looked like one and he just didn't throw it hard enough. Yeah. And it's like that's that's the that's the kind of error. Like the other the other interception was just, you know, whatever. Those things happened. But that one it was just like, oh, come on, man. And not for like anybody else's sake, but like just you don't want to do that in your last college game. Uh and that was deflating. It led to a Michigan field goal which um really was decisive. I mean, I know 17 points was already decisive, but um, that kind of put it over the top, um, you know, making it a two score game at that point in the third quarter. And you already knew points were going to be so hard to come by against Michigan. Um, that was just, that was really, really deflating. But I mean, there was a lot against Washington in this one. Dylan Johnson, I think he got hurt in the first quarter again. No, uh, it was so, okay. So he comes out, warms up, and they're, you know, Pete Thamel's reporting his injury status and all that. And they're saying he's 100%. He's ready to go. It was the first carry of the game. Yeah. Six, seven yards. And then he gets like his ankle or whatever, like kind of, was it stepped on or rolled on? I don't know. It was, it was not, it wasn't good. And he's look, you know, he's just looking like he's not himself anymore. You, get, you hurt the first play of the game. But they kept like trying to go to him. He came in and he, yeah. he was a lead blocker for a play. And I felt like they were running the ball way too much. It was almost like they were trying to prove that we can – they were trying to out Michigan Michigan early instead I don't, of being Washington. I don't think it was so much that. I thought it was like a lot of how they played against Arizona. I think they had an idea about what Michigan was, and I don't know that it was necessarily wrong. I just think um, given the nature of their team, they just had to be who they are. And if that means uh, Penix is throwing – you know, it's – He's he's forty five percent completions, but they're all bombs. That's just the way it's got to be. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't, there was nothing to be gained on the ground in this game. I mean, Dylan Johnson, oh, yeah. look, for, but to, they were to, trying to, to run it all the time. To his credit, he played really, really hard and yeah. like clearly was gutting it out. Um, and to gain whatever it was, I think he averaged like three yards a carry. Uh, yeah, he was eleven carries for thirty three yards. To do that was impressive, honestly. Like, uh, given how limited he was physically, yeah, yeah. he gained some tough yardage. uh, But they shouldn't have been doing that, Um, and they they didn't to a large extent. But even like the eleven carries he got and the twenty total carries for entire Washington offense, um, give ten of those to Penix throwing the ball and just you know. He's your guy and just go with what brung you. Um, yes. The thing was, and this is, I think they were searching for an answer. You know, there was a lot more around the line of scrimmage than you typically expect from Washington. They were having to dump off a lot. They were having to throw a lot of screens. 
that Michigan pass rush was devastating. Yeah. The fact that they could get pressure with four against this offensive line that had been so good all year, uh, but they could consistently get pressure with four. Just, I mean, it put them so far behind just from the outset. And then Penix getting a ton of pressure the entire game. Um, it, it just, they would have had to play exceptionally well to overcome all that. And they didn't. They played, I think, collectively on offense, they played like their CC plus game. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's a huge problem. I do want to say, though, defensively, they stepped up huge because, well, here, let's, the, well okay, we could, we'll you know, get to defense in a second. But yeah, let's, yeah. let's talk a little more offense if we sure. can and they'll do that. Um, yeah, I did feel they tried to run the ball too much. Um, there was a lot of stuff. They get the, the first time they got to, I think they got to the 10. And uh, I believe they tried to run Dylan Johnson. They did some kind of end around or something. I mean, they were doing a lot, that stuff where I see teams do this a lot, where there's a, a really aggressive defense that's like, they're beating you on the line. And they're any line of scrimmage stuff is they're going to win. You have to kind of push it down the field yeah. a little bit to like, and they still throw the little screen passes behind the line of scrimmage. Like we saw Washington State doing that. Remember, was it Arizona State? Whoever they played last year, and it was like that's all they're doing is stopping the line of scrimmage crap. And you just keep doing it, and you're not getting. And I felt like Washington was doing that. Like they didn't, they didn't throw the ball downfield until third and eight on that. And they, you know, that would have been you know tie the tie the game. I didn't really like uh, deferring to the second half when you're an offensive team. Get out there and score. But whatever. Um, but that, you know, that, and then it kind of got behind the eight ball there. But it seemed like they were trying to run the football like purposely instead of sling it downfield. And then when they were like, oh, okay, we can sling it downfield. And then it, it wasn't clicking. Um, that one time Adunze was, it was like fourth down, was wide open. And yeah. And Penix is throwing Missed throw, and then it hits him in the hands too, but he still drops it. Yeah. There was just a lot of that. And then, I mean, there were a lot of throws like that. So we might even, not, might not even be talking about the same one. There was also, I think, the McMillan screen that probably would have gone for six, but he tripped over uh, the defensive end. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was weird too. They picked up a couple first downs early, where it was like third down, thrown behind the line of scrimmage or thrown short of the sticks, and and one of the receivers, or I think even Dylan Johnson did once, like make a great play to get the first down. You're like, that was really risky because you needed to keep this drive going. I think even on the first drive, like there was stuff like that instead of the chunkier plays downfield, they were doing the, the short stuff. And then, and Michigan would miss the tackle, which they don't do a lot. Then they were not missing the tackles later. Yeah. And those plays weren't going for first And that's downs. maybe and my, and Washington's punting. And that was maybe my big takeaway from so much of the short stuff was it worked a little bit, but Michigan is too good of a tackling team yeah. uh, to do that extensively and have that be your base because they will just, they will just choke the life out of you eventually. Like, there were so many open field tackles on Washington playmakers where and the Michigan guys, I don't know what it is, but they're very strong. They're very good at being strong. Uh, would would hold these guys would, uh, there, there's there's a lot of similarities with Stanford, which I'm going to get to. But like the the linebacker who's both fast and very strong. I mean, who knows, would grab hold of the receiver and the receiver would have all of the momentum, but the receiver wouldn't move. Yeah. And then he would be thrown down by the tackling linebacker. Um, obviously, just great strength and conditioning. Um, but Michigan, uh, at, at, they're just too good of a defense. They're too sound of a defense to to think you can just consistently do that. I think you need to take advantage of what's the thing that makes Washington good? What's the thing that made them highly volatile? You know, they had some games where they were, you know, 
win them by the skin of their teeth and some games where they blew teams out. But what is the thing that they built their offense around? Go bomb. Yeah. Like, just go bomb downfield and see what happens. Um, and I think with the playmakers they have, doing that even more was probably the recipe for some version of success. And it was also the recipe for getting blown out. Like, right. that could have been the recipe for losing by 35. But I think it was also the only way they were actually going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, you essentially got blown out. And you didn't do you didn't it wasn't a blowout okay well it was pretty close um you didn't do what you needed to do what got you there like so the plays that when you run the ball so when you do what michigan does there's a um a mental tactic to this like you know when you're bombing uh in a war situation and the guys are in their shelter and just constantly like there's just there's something that mentally you're like oh my god like this is never going to end when they're running the ball and they're moving the chains and you're never getting the ball back, like there's a, it's draining. It's mentally sort of draining, but you could see the same thing happening to a similar defense in Texas the week before that up third and eight, like most teams are going to be punting now. Holy shit. They just threw a 50, 50 ball to, to Duze for, you know, and yeah. he made the catch and they move in the chains and it wasn't like, okay, that was their one shot. Like that was like a, when you're like, they can just go downfield anytime they want. That's demoralizing too. Like that's a different way to sort of demoralize a defense. And they never got that. Like Michigan could play there like, oh yeah, third and eight. Nobody picks that up, you know. Um, that's Yeah. So, I mean, at, you needed to kind of hit those plays and then sort of make Michigan rethink of like, oh, we can't just like force a third and long and know that this is going to be the end. Like they're not afraid to, they're not throwing a screen pass because it's safe and try to get more putt yards. Like they're throwing it downfield on third and whatever and picking up first downs. And we just never saw that. So I feel like they sort of got away from what their identity was. And you have to give some credit to Michigan's defense because they, they put Penix in, you know, weird situations, but I feel like Texas had some pressure. Penix mostly got away and they would still make the play downfield Michigan was the same thing. It was similar, but they just weren't able to kind of make that play. And and you weren't. I think you made those plays early against Texas, and it built. And then you couldn't make those plays early against Michigan, and it's sort of like, oh crap! They're. I don't know if they're a much better defense, but up front, I think they're similar to what Texas was. I think they're better in the secondary. Michigan's a ton better. They're one of the best defenses yeah. the last five years. But they were just like. It, it you couldn't get those shots in early to sort of make it like hey we're this is legit and and I I don't know if it was just they didn't have the self confidence to keep it going or but they they didn't they didn't die on the you know what got them there like they they sort of like kind of tried to do a little bit of a mixture of what Michigan does and what's like I'd rather see them just huck it around and see what happens um, and you know maybe you lose by another touchdown or two but. You also I mean, could win that way. Yeah, I mean, with with Penix playing the way he was, it was going to be hard. Um, he needed to play his ninety five percent game like he did against Texas, and he wasn't there. Like it just it wasn't happening for him in this game. Uh, and a huge part of that was just that pass rush. Um, you know, their defensive tackles specifically, just their ability to just knife through those guards and bowl them over and whatever. Mason Graham was awesome. SoCal yeah. native Mason Mason Graham, SoCal oh, nice. native who grew up a UCLA fan. Just letting everyone know uh ucla did they offer him uh i'm sure they did He's how many times did he camp at ucla hoping for an offer by the way I, <laughs> it was twice it was twice it was two two different times and they said no nah, now nah, we're good uh but was he like low rated was he like a two-star or something and michigan just found a diamond in the rough 
No, no, no. He was a four star. <laughs> he was a top two, four, seven uh, Why player. Why offer that guy? Why offer him? Why offer a local defensive tackle? They grow on trees in California. Well, he, he probably grew up a USC fan, right? Not- no, no, no. Grew up a UCLA fan, oh, really? wanted a UCLA oh, offer. Wow. Mm. That seems. Um- yeah. Anyway. Anyway, just a little side note, just a little something, just a little, just a little, uh, little data point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was that, that pass rush, uh, was, was the equalizer. And it always is in college football. If you have the ability to get pressure with four on a quarterback, you're going to be pretty good on defense. And, uh, this game was, I mean, it was a dominant effort from Michigan. Can we talk about that offense though? And what Washington was able to do defensively? Yeah. Like, um, I mean, early on, obviously it was the, the second and 14 play was it Donovan Edwards. They, you know, it's like, Oh, you feel like, okay, Washington's going to make a, a stand here. You get Michigan behind the sticks. It's a lot different than getting Washington behind the sticks. And you hand it off to Donovan Edwards, his first carry of the game. And he goes into the line on second and 14. It looks like he's not going anywhere. But there's really it was really his own linemen that were in his way and not any Washington defenders. And then he bounces it outside. And it's a whatever, 50-yard touchdown or whatever it was. And then you're like, uh-oh. Like <laughs> at that point, you're like, mm. his first two carries went for two long touchdowns. He hadn't been doing much lately. So when you're like kind of guy that hasn't been contributing that much, gets like two touchdowns on two touches, that was gonna be a problem for a watch. I I think they got better later in the game, but early on, it was they had a hard time stopping the run. Yeah, a huge problem stopping the run. Like it looked like when you watched the all twenty two angle, um, it was uh they weren't like it looked like they were trying to account for the gaps and they didn't have a good plan for what wash what Michigan was trying to do offensively, like how they were, you know, moving guys around, like overloading the line, all that kind of stuff. And so there would just be a gap that was not accounted for. And, you know, they would blast it for a huge gain. And there were multiple chunk plays in the first half. And then in the second half, they were a lot more sound and kind of the like schizophrenia of Washington's play this year, but also specifically on defense. They just started playing better, too. Like their defensive line started getting off blocks and making plays more. Um, And that was not happening at all in the first half. And then suddenly it was happening in the third quarter. The defense played good enough in that stretch um, to keep them in and just give this offense a chance, which has been like the recipe for success for this defense all year. You know, just hang around. Just be good enough that the Washington that the offense can go out in there and bomb. And it just never happened. But um, big thing I want to know, and this is about Michigan and uh, their, uh, their their similarity to 2010 Stanford. That fucking team holds all goddamn day long, and they never get called. Not one goddamn time, Ryan. Not yeah. one time. They didn't get called one time for offensive holding, and they were holding Do you all games. Is it a Harbaugh thing? I mean, I'm sure he teaches his offensive linemen to hold. Like, I, I think any good offensive line coach should be teaching you how to hold and in what ways you can get away with it. Um, and then I think some of it is reputational. I think some of it is who knows. Um, but there were like so many egregious holds in this game that were just uncalled. And I yeah. think, you know, it would made the tougher, it was tougher when Washington got that call. Yeah. And that one was like, okay, he sort of clotheslined him for a second, but then didn't do anything like the right tackle. Um, but I will say about that right tackle, uh, there was an odd sequence of plays. I want to say deep into the second half okay. where, uh, suddenly Washington snaps were super messed up. Um, yeah. they were coming really early. 
or they were coming a little too late. And their right tackle, uh, he got called for a false start one time, and then he false started again on the next two plays, but they didn't call it. And then on the fourth play, I think this was the fourth down where um, – whatever Washington failed. I can't remember the exact circumstances. He didn't move like off the snap. And it was like, is the noise, is it so loud there or was something messed up with what they were trying to do with their snap counts late in the game? Were they trying to do like a lot of drawing off sides and it was messing everyone up? Um, but that last snap, it was like it caught Penix by surprise too. Um, yeah. so there was just a lot of stuff where it was just Washington wasn't sharp. Like they weren't at their best and they needed to be like, if they were going to beat this Michigan team, their A-plus game does it. Maybe their A game does it. But anything less than that wasn't going to do it, and they were not there. I think it would have been a good game, even like a B-plus game or an A-minus game. I think it would have been a lot. You could, I, I think you needed to play a little bit better to put some sort of pressure on Michigan to do something outside of what they can do in their sleep, which that's what they were doing. I mean, if you can hand it off on second 14 and get a touchdown, that's a problem. Um so yeah, I think they could have. I don't know if they needed a, you know, a game or whatever to to win this one, but I feel like a, they just it was a really poor effort. And some of it's Michigan, and some of it was just Washington didn't play very well. You just that happens. They're a bunch of twenty one year old kids or whatever, and they don't they don't play that well. There was one you were talking about like the false start stuff, and I think this was like Kalen DeBoer. I want to talk about pianos and stuff too, but I think this was a Kalen DeBoer sort of play where. They were all the offensive linemen were like standing up, like when you make the the, the quarterback is like calling out the uh, protections and stuff, and maybe changing the play. So it looked like you were in that area where you're just not you're not you're getting ready to get set to to hike the ball, but you're nowhere near ready to hike the ball yet. And they hiked the ball like what? So like the offensive alignment, like half of them, they're like standing up looking around. If you remember this play or not, and then they hiked the ball. And it was like a quick pass, and so I think it was like a tight end over the middle or something. But um, it looked like it was like snapping it before it looked like you were ready. But like the center and Penix were ready. Yeah, and it was a good way to steal a first down at that point. Yes, that, yeah. it felt like they stole a first down. Like that was a that was a good Kalen DeBoer play. We didn't see a lot of that, but there was no. there was some of that. Um, any issues? Were there any pianos falling on? And he had, I would say, like, DeBoer ran the ball too much, and Michigan shouldn't have thrown the ball 18 no, times. No, I, I honestly didn't see a coaching failure, really. I mean, we can nitpick about that sort of stuff, but it wasn't like horrible decision was made. I honestly thought DeBoer called a pretty good game. That, um, uh, that sequence where they scored the touchdown, um, where they ran the ball with Penix first, first, maybe you score on that play, but also run the clock a little bit more yeah. and then you know, go with your bread and butter on fourth down uh, at the goal line was exactly the right way to play it because you don't want to give Michigan another chance um, to score at the end of the half. Um, so I thought like there was a lot that was um, good with what he was doing. I thought he recovered from his piano incidents against Texas in the closing minutes. Um, no, I just, I mean, look, I, I don't, I'm not a big blame the players guy, but I think it was, you know, uh, Penix and, and his receivers were just, they were not at their top tier game, and that was really the story of the game. I think the defense played well enough. It should have been good enough. Um, you know, they thirty four points really does not tell the tale of what the defense was able to do in that second half. Yeah, um, and it was uh, you know it was just a matter that the offense couldn't could never ever come uh, uh, unglued from um, Michigan's defense. 
Yeah, that middle eight, because like Michigan gets, I mean, yeah, Michigan goes for it on fourth down. I think they had called a, they were going to kick a field goal. I'm like, are you kidding me? You got to try to put it, to, you know. So Michigan's going, like there's like a minute and a half left or something, and Michigan's, you know, maybe like the 30. I forget exactly what it was, but the end of the second half, the second quarter, and uh, they're going to kick a field goal. Then they call timeout, and they decide to go for it, which is the right call. Like you should just, like you, you can put, you know, Washington away. You're up. 14 at this point, you know, and you could put them up, you know, does 17 matter, but you can go up three touchdowns and you're going to take them out of this game. I had no problem. It was like fourth and three, but they end up throwing a pass instead of, you could just hand the ball off at that point, but whatever. Uh, and then Washington gets the ball, they score, right? And it's a seven point game going to halftime and they get the ball back. So like this was, there was a, like a lot of sort of momentum there. So I, I, I agree with you. I think the defense did enough to like, Hey, make the plays when you need to keep it close. Hey, offense! You've been doing this all year. Go do your shit. And they didn't. They didn't do it. Um, but I and I want to give credit to I. If you watch Washington's defensive backfield, now there were some marquee plays like the end of the Texas game and stuff like that. But I felt they did a really nice job in the secondary defending passes. Even the line they had a, like a linebacker on one of the Michigan's best receivers, and he he makes the play. Like they were good at. Not just being in the right position, but making a play on the ball. We've seen that. Just it's not easy to do. I think that's what it looked like a well-coached defensive backfield for Washington. That when the play was there, like they were, they were able to make a play on the ball. And uh, I thought the the Washington secondary played pretty well. Uh, I, for the most part, I, I um, again, I don't like calling out specific guys. Number seven had some major issues, um, and one of the late completions for. Um, uh, I think he was a safety. He might have been a dropping linebacker, but uh, he, he he one of the late completions where it was to the, I think their tight end um, catches the ball, and then he like is kind of jumping in the background for some reason, and the guy just scoots out to the right sideline and goes way down the sideline. Yeah, might have even scored on that one. Um, but I think you know we've seen some bad play from the secondary this year, and I thought it was actually fine for the most part in this one. Um, but there were just some some mess ups. Um, but again, like broadly speaking, you know, that first half was bad. And I think you could make an argument that no team is ever going to win a game where they allow 300 yards rushing. But the second half, I mean, they held them close enough. If the if the Washington offense plays anything like it's, you know, median play, it's a game. I don't yeah. know if they win, but it's a game. Yeah. And it just they they didn't come close. And by the end, Penix was banged up. He looked like, you know. He just looked like he was beat up there. It, it sort of was like when you needed his magic, like if he had his magic going early, it would have been one thing and you could kind of hang on. But once you were like behind like that and then he's banged up, it just wasn't good. Um, what did you think of, uh, and West Texas Mike put this in the chat, even the Huskies good luck charm, Dan Lanning was in the building and there was a bunch of jokes where like, Hey, Dan Lanning finally got to see Washington lose in person and stuff like that. But uh, he was there. I thought he did a pretty good job when he was doing the TV commentary and stuff. What, any thoughts on uh, your boy Dan Lanning's? Um, I mean, I thought it was a really odd choice. Um, yes. He's, he's, it's, kind of like well, Ryan, it's, it's like Ryan Day being on there. Well, it's one what? thing to have like a kind of a seasoned vet head coach doing it. Yeah. Like, because they can kind of have fun with it. But I mean... I didn't see him having much fun with the idea of it. I thought he was pretty good analyzing the game. Yeah, I thought he was but, good. But um, I don't know. It's just like kind of a weird choice. Like there's a lot of head coaches you could ask to do that. And you're asking the guy who's lost like three straight three-point games to this team yeah. uh, and main rival and all that kind of stuff. 
I don't know. Like, it's one thing to ask Nick Saban to talk about Georgia because, like, Kirby Smart's also his protege, among many other things. Yeah. Um, but this is just like a rival talking about a rival. And I do think. And only two years of experience. And if I was said. Washington, I'd be a little bit pissed about it because this is your showcase. Like, this is your opportunity to recruit for your program and showcase your program. And they ask Dan Lanning to be, you know, talking throughout the entire program. And he gets to sell himself during that entire period. I'd be kind of pissed if I was if I was Kalen DeBoer in Washington. Like they're still rivals. Like they're still going to go forward in the Big Ten as rivals. Like yeah. they, they're competing against each other. Um, so I thought it was just kind of stupid. Uh, he was fine. I mean, he's a he's clearly a sharp guy and he clearly knows football. But um, I just thought it was weird. And he didn't. He wasn't fun enough to like make it uh, like super interesting. Yeah. He was like, I think, clearly a little bit nervous, um, like doing it all. But yeah, he was fine. Yeah. What if it was like Ryan Day? Like, would Harbaugh be like, "What the what the hell is Ryan Day?" Right. Doing? Right. Well, Ryan Day at least has like more experience and stuff, and like had beat Harbaugh, but lost the last three. Similar, you know. But I, I feel like it would be very similar. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what I, I thought he was fine on TV, but I'm not sure why you would bring him in. Just maybe the. It's like here's the insider Washington perspective from a from an opponent that wasn't able to beat them, why they're good or whatever. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. Right. Anything else? Did you watch it on delay? Uh, no. So I I caught. So I start. Well, I was watching a little bit. I was kind of lying. I was watching a little bit while I was at my daughter's swimming uh, session. Um, so I was watching it on my phone. Okay. So I missed. I don't know. Probably five minutes of game action between driving back and forth. Um, so I caught most of it, uh, but I wasn't watching on TV until it was uh, 17-3. Okay. Um, but no, I, I watched the whole game. Uh, yeah, it was nice. I had a few people over, made dinner, and uh, yeah, what, was Willow worried about like doing stuff in the kitchen while this was going on, but then it wasn't uh, that much of a game later on. But yeah, it's like, uh, I so don't want to be down the dumps on Washington. Um, what Kalen DeBoer was able to do, I mean, they were visibly upset, obviously very emotional after this game. 14-1 is pretty freaking amazing. Um, just an amazing run his first two years at the helm. He's just one and one and one everywhere he's been. Um, I feel like this is a, you know, he's they're going to have a lot of momentum going in to the Big Ten. They get to play Michigan again in October, so uh, that'll be kind of cool. Uh, to see that, but I, you know, the Pacific Northwest schools came into the Big Ten sort of scenario late, but both of them had really good seasons, and I feel like they're going to give themselves as good a shot as any to compete in a, you know a really tough conference in the in the Big Ten and kind of bring a little West Coast swag to this Midwestern football. But yeah, you got to give props to what Kalen DeBoer was able to do. Yeah, they had some clunker games. Should they should have lost Arizona State? There's a lot of weird stuff that happened, but. There's something to be said for getting those victories. And even though most of your wins were close wins, you still won them. You won them all. You won them all. And you just didn't play well in the last game. I don't think that they were like significantly worse than Michigan, but they did not play well at all. You needed to play well to, to get that win. But I, you know, give props to Washington. They had a great season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the, you know, there's, there's obviously a, a little bit of a reloading that needs to happen now uh, with Penix going, uh, to the NFL, um, Adunze too, I think. Um, but uh, 
Kalen DeBoer just wins games. He'll find a way to win some games. Yeah. That seems like a very confident bet at this point. And to go from two years ago being in the dregs of the Jimmy Lake era to um, very close to on top of the world, um, best coaching job in recent memory. For sure. Yeah. So uh, really impressive. Really impressive. Brian Wood said, love the graphic during the game. Most rushing yards surrendered in a national championship game. All Pac-12 teams. Good. Uh, go out in style. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the Pac-12 sort of like, even though it lost the championship game, you still went out in style. They were there. You know, they were in there in that final group where, uh, you know, a lot of the other conferences weren't. Um, Dog's life in Portland. It felt like after the first sack, Penix was throwing above his receivers frequently. Yeah, he did seem to be throwing high and that um that sack it was a four-man rush and uh he hadn't been sacked he didn't get sacked against texas you know he got pressure but that that sack seemed to kind of get to him a little bit and maybe it banged him up too i don't know yeah um cool all right well good stuff everybody why don't we do this um let's take a quick break and we will come back and uh do some questions so back in a minute everyone Alrighty, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Put a bow on our picks for the 2023 college football season. Uh, both David and I took Washington plus five. We were both uh, incorrect. So I go six and three in the bowl season, and David goes two and seven. That was enough for me to take a one game lead. And win the season total uh, against the spread. I was 51, 40, and 1. And David was 50, 41, and 1. I think both still uh, good efforts. You were nine games above 500. I was 11. Both would have won you a little bit of money if you bet throughout. And I did throughout the season. Uh, thanks over to my bookie. Thanks to them. Um, it was a lot of fun putting the games. I almost, David, put... I was like, okay, the line moved up. I think when I bet on my bookie, it was four and a half. Mm -hmm. It went up to five and a half. So I almost went in like, should I do another bet? And I was like, you know, I just, I didn't want to pull the trigger because I just felt like I think Michigan's going to win, you know? So I didn't do it. But I've had a lot of fun uh, betting everything over at my bookie. Uh, done it all year. We've done it for years. And I uh, just put a little juice on the games, you know, not betting very much, but just trying to put in some money behind. Where my mouth is when we make the picks. So thanks to my bookie for kind of uh, making that happen and allowing that to happen all year. They got a lot of fun stuff over there. You can bet, you know, if you want to bet the NFL playoffs, you want to bet baseball season coming up, the NBA, NHL, whatever you want to do, you can do that over at my bookie. Of course, I had a lot of fun doing uh, Pac-12 football. Uh, that's mostly what I've been betting over there, but you can go check it out. If you do, or if you're a first-time user, you can use the promo code PAC-12 to get a uh, cash bonus. So promo code PAC12, go check it out over at my bookie. Um, yeah, so get the, get over there, check out all the different deals that are going on, and you have a good time. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere over at my bookie. Lovely read. Thanks. Top tier. Uh, one of the best reads I've ever heard in my life. Uh, just uh, off the cuff. It's just incredible. Uh, the true professionalism, the absolute work <laughs> ethic. Uh, you are an otherworldly person. Thanks. I know you don't care. But uh, that, that concluded our, our picks for the year. So, um, so, we, so how are we going to do our picks 
what about next year? Like, because now we're going to have teams in different conferences. Do we just still pick? Because there'll be a lot more games. I don't know if we're going to do it the same way. Um, Any thoughts on that? I think we still pick all of the Pac-12 teams in okay. their respective games. Um, I don't. Just, it'll I don't feel a lot like the out of conference games where you got like eleven games. Yeah, there. we're going to be talking a lot. Um, I don't know. I. I, I so what I was thinking on the drive over from like a planning perspective, even just for the off season, I think we got to do deep dives on each program kind of the way we did six or seven years ago when we did like the structural uh, discussion about each program, but also like, what's the outlook? Like, what do you think you can do in your new league? What's the actual potential for it and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so, but like, I was thinking about that and I was like, that's going to be fun and interesting, but then planning for like talking about all these teams during, you know, the season and all this kind of stuff. And uh, are we going to be tempted ever to talk about like the key other Big 12 games or the key other Big 10 games or, you know, what have you? So I don't know. Seems like a lot. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Bill. Uh, in the chat says the in-stadium videos were miss after miss. They were all about year 10 of the playoffs and showed a lot of Buckeye and duck highlights, all the sky pianos on those jabronis. Yeah. So they didn't. Uh, um, yeah. And then we had, uh, let's see, uh drag racing duelist. Uh, I'm a Husky hater, but the ref sure allowed Michigan DBs to grab a lot and be extremely physical. Am I the only one who noticed that? Did you notice that? I noticed it more on the lines, I thought, than uh yeah. 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 I think to some extent, sure. Um, Amy says, Are you gonna be feeling confident placing bets on teams you don't know? We do this all the time. <laughs> like, <wait. laughs> I mean, uh I don't know if we know these teams. I don't <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the thing is, um, we're gonna get a feel for it. Uh I, this is what I was talking about, is you know, we cover USC and UCLA for our jobs. Um, it, part of the value of doing this originally was that it got us more familiar with the other programs yes. in the league and got us paying attention to them more. It's helped me a lot um, in my regular job. And I don't know, like specifically for us, how tempted we're going to be to, I mean, I'm never going to be tempted to watch Iowa Rutgers or whatever. No. But I don't know, like, Penn State, Michigan. I might like have to pay attention to that. I mean, I watch that anyway. Like you don't, but no. I would. Why would you? Because it's good. No, but there's something else on. True. Some Pac-12 related action. <laughs> We're just going to have a lot of divided responsibilities because we also have to watch a bunch of Big Twelve games now. We have to watch a bunch of ACC games now. <laughs> we have to watch some Pac-2 Mountain West action. Um, yeah. There's just. I mean, there's a lot of demands. The now. depth of knowledge. I'm not saying is is very. We're talking puddle, right? But it's going to be worse. It's like a dry yeah, yeah. No, we're gonna be we're gonna be like little droplets on the ground. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Um, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna do the job for you, we're the people out there in the world. Uh, but we'll still cover those Pac-12 teams or former Pac-12 teams, whatever. Whatever uh, you want to call. We got them. a voicemail. I haven't listened to it yet, but I did download it while you were talking. Here you go. What's up, guys? Perk. Um, just with the the last game of uh, kind of the Pac-12 as it was and with uh, how things have ended, Dave, you had mentioned a lot in the past that, uh, and I agree with it, that 
the Pac-12 would be in a different spot had the league performed better and had um, some more teams made the playoff and, and, you know, really competed on a national level. Uh, with that being said, is there a result over the last, I guess, in the playoff era, um, but even going back to the last years of the BCS, is there a result that you guys think that if it goes differently, um, maybe helps out the Pac-12 uh, continuing to exist today? Is it Oregon's national championship run and they're in the first playoff? Uh, is, it, is it really anything specific that could stand out to you guys? Thanks, guys. Hope you had a great Christmas and Happy New Year. I don't think there's any result that changes. I don't think there was anything, any problem with Oregon making it all the way to the title game in 2014 and then losing. I don't think there was any problem with Washington being semi-competitive for a half against Alabama and then losing. I don't think there was any problem with the result this year. The problem was going seven years uh, in between. Of, yeah. Or seven or six. It was 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Uh, six. Uh, going six years in between, not making it. Um and that's you know that's the biggest issue, and it shouldn't have been. Um, I think everyone, if they'd had a little bit more, I don't know, perspective, not to sound like George Klyavkov, but it was a very very down period for the Pac-12. A lot of bad coaching hires were made during that period. Um, a lot of bad uh, um, administrative decisions were made during that period, uh, and it was just a down just a down period like yeah. and those happen in all sorts of leagues they happen everywhere um and it coincided with a media deal it coincided with this um you know crunch of teams going different places and it was horrible timing it was just horrible timing to not have your best foot forward because we saw last this past year pac 12 was pretty damn good um and it's if it was if it was once again uh, a thing next year it would probably be pretty damn good again. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good program management going on right now in the league. You've got um, Oregon doing their thing. I mean, they're recruiting at a top five level consistently now, which is crazy. Uh, you've got USC with Lincoln Riley. As much as you know, we all make fun of the defensive coordinator situation, still, outlook is probably still pretty positive. Uh, you got Washington, obviously, just went to the title game. You've got Arizona with Jed Fish, um, on clearly on the rise. Uh, you've got Utah doing its consistent thing uh, in the mountains. Um, there are so many things to point to that say, oh, okay, this th- this league's you know in really good shape, but it doesn't exist now. Um, and that's the part that I think it's, it's a lot of short-term thinking from a lot of people. I think UCLA and USC really fucked this up uh, for everybody. Um, and, and, and by everybody, I do mean themselves as well. Um, and I think the end result is going to be worse for college football, uh, and worse for these schools. Um, but you know, some executives in charge of these schools get to say they did a big deal that made millions of dollars and that's all they care about. Uh, no, I agree. I think like USC and UCLA being bad definitely didn't help. Um, and I know some other schools were sort of like celebrating the fact that, the that whatever LA powers whatever were down, but you kind of needed them to be good for the conference. It just it you know, and people were like, oh, Utah's been better. It's like yeah, Utah's been a better team. Oregon's been a better team. But who did the Big Ten want? They wanted the LA schools. And the fact that those schools stunk for a very long time and had bad hires and all that stuff really sort of hurt the conference. So there was a lot of like kind of dancing on their graves. But you sort of needed those guys to to not be terrible, and they were terrible. 
Yeah. So I think that was a big part of it. Um, I think it's the first email from Amy. Yeah. So new conference boundaries from Amy. Okay. Uh, let's have some fun. Let's say the conferences are based on time zones, you know, keep everything geographical. So our four conferences are Eastern, Central, Mountain, including the Arizona schools, and Pacific, including Hawaii. The winner of each conference goes to the semifinals, and then who goes to the finals to win based on this year's games? Loving the excellent audio since going live and keeping it mediocre. All right. So um, out of the West, you would have to say Washington. I would say Oregon because, like, you know, I, I'm watching those games. And clearly they won even they, though they didn't. Yeah, they were way better. Yeah, like, clearly it's Oregon. <laughs> uh, I mean, just – I mean. Uh, Aside from aside from those pesky (laughs) results on the field, clearly it's Oregon. Oregon's better. Oregon's just simply better. Yes, and they've been better for two years (laughs) uh, than Washington. Oregon Ducks. No, no, we're gonna do Washington Huskies. Beat that ass three times in a row. Yeah. Um, Okay, so it's Washington out of the West, Uh, out of the Mountain. uh, Let me see where the Mountain time zone cuts off. Hang on. I want to see how deep into Texas it cuts off. Uh, mountain time zone. Give it to me in a map. Okay. Uh, they've got like West Texas. Um, I don't think they get Oklahoma. I mean, it might be Utah or it might be like something crazy like uh, South South Dakota State or something. She, no, they're not in it. Uh, no, they. she said. Uh, oh, it would be Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. Yeah. Duh. Okay. So Arizona. So Washington and Arizona are both. I think she was trying to fish in to make Utah get win the. Yeah, no, but it's Arizona. I think it's so you've Arizona. got Washington and Arizona making a playoff in this system already. Yeah. So I'm loving it already. Uh, out of the Midwest. Um, Hold on. We got to do Arizona Wildcats. Wow. Since I got that, yeah. Out of the Midwest, I think you've got to go Texas, right? Uh, I mean, it could be Alabama, but they beat them. So Texas. Yeah, I think Texas. And then out of the East, it's Michigan. So what is we end Michigan up with. Central? What is, we end up with. Is Michigan Central? Uh, no, they're in the East. Okay. What we end up with, boys and girls, is the exact same playoff except Arizona gets in. Mm. You like that? Arizona gets in over Alabama. All is just in the world. I like that. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, you'd have Washington playing Texas again, beating them. You'd have Arizona playing Michigan, obviously beating them. You know, Jed Fish knows all about that Michigan program. And then it's Washington, Arizona, as God intended, in the national championship game. Um. I know you don't really care. Correct, about, right? Correct. Obviously. Yeah, I okay. like it. Um, I'm really glad. Like, if you watch that Michigan-Alabama game, like, Harbaugh had a piano fall on his head. Like, they were down. Like, that, they were very lucky to win that game. They had to convert Correct. a fourth and two. Alabama could have easily and probably should have won. I'm very glad it was Michigan that did that to Washington rather than Alabama. Billion. Do you know how insufferable how it would have been? Because the thing is, Michigan, we can all be like, okay, whatever, cheating, whatever, all that kind of stuff. At least they haven't won the stupid thing since 97. Right. Like, we can at least say, oh, a new team won. It's like Alabama, like, on the year that they screw up, they needed a fourth yeah, and no. 31 conversion to beat Auburn. And they still win the national championship. I'd be like, oh, my God, this is so fucking gross but it's yeah. le- way less gross to have michigan win. yeah no i think we can all support this uh you know once we get past the the sorrow yeah okay let's see next up oh frank i think he gave a prediction michigan yeah. 31 washington 21 i think that captures the tenor even if not the exact score so he, good job frank he was pretty close yeah he like a graphic with some of the recruits and stuff uh, roster talent uh 
That was cool. Oh, Ryan has a great question. Okay. Cowards? Michigan ducked their September 2023 game at UCLA. Is their 2023-24 championship legitimate? Well, they're the first if team. If in- you <laughs> duck UCLA yeah. to pad your resume, pad that record, and you win a national championship, I think you put an asterisk next to that thing. Especially because Harbaugh wouldn't have been coaching for the game. Michigan asterisk ducked UCLA. I mean, Harbaugh didn't coach half of their regular season games. Like, yeah, how you don't that? just go into the Rose Bowl without and get a, and get a win without Harbaugh, unless you're Arizona State. Hmm. They did that. Yeah, yeah, they did that. Um, no, I do like that. I love it. Uh, there will be some talk. And uh, do, you, do you think Harbaugh stays? Do you think he's going to the NFL? Do you care? I don't care. Yeah, didn't think so. I kind of think he goes to the NFL. Who cares? He's probably going to be suspended for half the games next year too. All right, last one. National title beatdown, Lincoln Riley's fault uh, from Brian. Good evening, Ryan and Dave. Can we blame Washington's loss tonight on Riley for firing Grinch? Clearly, that started a chain of dominoes, which allowed DeBoer to hire him to coach Washington's run fits in the first quarter. (laughs) That run defense was so bad, it literally felt like somebody had body swapped USC's defense for Washington's. Being oh so close, but not winning at all is a fitting end for this conference. Thanks for the history lessons, Dave, and all the work on the podcast this year, Ryan. Fight on and go Beavs. Yeah, I will say um, uh, there must have been some wrinkle that I wasn't getting because you had to expect that Washington, uh, that Michigan was going to go with big lineups with you know some tight ends out there, but they were just not like matching up the gaps well at all. Like you could see the confusion on Washington's defense, and it was like. Did you guys not game plan for this? Yeah. And I, it, there's probably some nuance that I was missing, but they were, they just didn't look like they'd been prepared for it. And then there was an adjustment, clearly, because they started being a lot more sound in their gap responsibilities, but um, very peculiar in that first half. Um, and we have one uh, question on YouTube in the chat. Thanks, everyone, for watching uh, and listening on the chat. Kevin says, uh, Pete Carroll's out. As Seattle's head coach. Thoughts on him coming back to USC as co-head coach. Uh, he does defense and Riley does offense. Um, no. No, he's 72. Like, trying to re, you know, to bring back the past. John Robinson, too. Yeah, John like, Robinson, too. It's like, no. Uh, I mean. Pete Carroll, too, baby. Let's do it. No, he's. I, I sub, kind of surprised that he was out. It sounded like he wanted to come back. They did miss the playoffs like two of the last three years. Um, but, I mean, they look kind of crappy, like getting rid of Russell Wilson. But there was a smart move. Like they were better off getting rid of, which didn't, you know, wasn't really sure if that was going to be the case. Uh, I just saw that this broke this morning. I haven't, re- I haven't seen anything much else about it. But no, you don't bring him back. Like, can he be a consultant or something or what? I mean, like you want him to be around the program and say hi and stuff, but no, not a co-head coach. Uh, no, um, no, you sound iffy about this. Uh, no, that's just dumb. Whether yeah. people are like, Hey, bring Edward in as the defensive coordinator. Okay. Well, no, uh, two, no, three. He's never been a defensive coordinator before. No, you know, like if you want Ed Orgeron to be around and give a speech or something, that's fine. Like, even if you wanted to bring him back as like a defensive line coach or something, I don't care. But you can't 
you, just because you knew that, like you, th- this is what got USC in trouble for so many years. Like, instead of going hiring somebody that's really good, let's hire someone we know. Because like, oh yeah, that could work. We know him, and it's like, no, like that's not. Well, and I will say this, and like, not um, this isn't even denigrating or drawn for like being like a, a bagman type uh, recruiter, but what NIL has done is has smoothed out a lot of the like being an elite recruiter still matters but not but as it much. doesn't matter as much what matters is uh how many bags you're holding and i think orgeron can charm some people he can do the whole thing but it's not what it once was so you know when you're hiring position coaches now it mu- makes much more sense to hire really good technical position coaches yeah because um, you're recruiting a lot of times is just contract negotiations it's funny like the, the- Recruiting story I'll tell, like for Orgeron, I think that was like 2009. So he had been fired by Old Miss. And I was at the uh, Mobile, Alabama, the uh, Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. USC had like nine guys in there, like John David Booty and a bunch of dudes. Um, who Joe Flacco was there. He was like coming out of Delaware. He was in the Senior Bowl, a bunch of dudes. Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson's family walks by. I'm talking to Orgeron. And uh, I didn't, you know, why is someone like a good recruiter? Like I go up to him, like, "Hey, coach Ryan Abraham, I run USCFootball.com. We've interviewed a few times." And he's like, "I know you, Ryan." But like he knew like all the stuff about me. Like I hadn't seen him for years, but he remembered and was like, like genuinely happy to see you. You could. He was a very engaging person, like very good. Like politicians have this kind of thing where you remember names, you remember all this stuff. Deshaun Jackson's family walks by. He goes to Cal. He was committed to USC. Ends up going to Cal. They were like gush, like they were, they couldn't, they couldn't have been more excited to see anybody than they saw at Ordron. Like that's the kind of impact he had on people that why are you such a great recruiter? Like you were just this engaging person and they just love him. And I think you're right. Like that matters and that definitely helps. But NIL is such a huge part of recruiting now. Um, it doesn't, I don't think it matters as much, but Seeing him work, you could say, "Why is that guy a really good recruiter?" Just because, like, just the interaction with people that still came down to relationships, and he was just very good at that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that stuff just doesn't matter as much anymore. No. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone in the chat, and uh, happy New Year, and uh, R.I.P. to uh, Pac-12 football. Yeah, pour one out for the league. Um, I don't think I have any beers in the fridge. We could have. Uh, yeah, no. Shot a tequila or something, or. Wasn't always good, but it was always there. Yeah, it wasn't always there either. Especially, especially <laughs> the beginning. Remember the beginning? Like we would go months without recording and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. And we uh, were still the number one Pac-12 podcast. I remember, like when I moved to Georgia, we recorded once in January, and then we didn't record again until I want to say August. It was like no spring football, uh, nothing. And then it was like, oh, want to do this still? Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, we've but we've been pretty consistent since then. We're doing two a week, which is a lot of yeah. freaking work for Fuck. like. We started out doing that back in 2015, if I remember correctly. But then we stopped doing that we very quickly. Because we were like, holy crap, that's hard. And then it was hard, even at our advanced age, where it's all just autopilot. We're not even paying attention to the words we're saying. No. Yeah. The preparation. There was a time when I was nervous doing this. I'm like, oh, God, my, my voice out there for thousands of people. And then it just dies. Like that nervousness just goes away. Do you remember we went into when we were part of Scout? We went into the Fox like studios or whatever and recorded this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Like at a desk, like just an office desk. Yeah, sitting across. Brought in equipment. 
and staring then, each other in the eyes. So I must have had, maybe I didn't have this podcast studio yet. You didn't yet. No. That didn't come until, what, 2017 probably? Yeah, maybe. But then I had, yeah, because I got a smaller one and then this one's a bigger one so we could do more video stuff in here. Um, it's definitely nice because we just have a place just, it's set up. You just come in and, yeah, it's and really start good. recording. But Yeah, I'm glad I invested to, so much in this yes, place. Yes, thank you. We used to go into... That Fox lot, we had like a little... I think I still have the key card somewhere. Go I in. didn't have a key card. I had to wait for your ass. You didn't have a key card? I didn't have a key card. Oh. Yeah. And it was great as like... I think it was like in the middle of like them shuttering that office. And yes. so there would be just fewer and fewer people in there every time we would go in until it was just us and that one executive. And that was it in the entire office. Yeah, because it was like Fox... Like Scout was in there, but then Scout was sort of like... An offshoot thing yeah, yeah it was really weird um yeah amy says it's sad listening to your goodbyes it's good it's been a good run we're still gonna be around um we're gonna be back next week um we also got to set that up um i'm thinking we start doing our off-season things now like just the structural things about how they're going to do in their new setups okay uh, alex said he sent in a short email this morning i didn't see an email we didn't get shit, Alex. Maybe oh, maybe is it in the one of the other? Sometimes it goes into uh, promotions or spam. Yeah, I didn't see. I don't see anything in spam, and I don't see anything in promotions. It didn't come. Sorry, you're a liar. I'm sure Alex is not lying. I don't um, think he's lying. All right. Well, I'm gonna go like try to fuck up some ants. In my... <laughs> again, 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 stuff. again. Patience is a virtue with this. What should I buy? Like, what trap should I buy? Should I go to, like, the hardware store? Should I go to, like, CVS? Like, so I ordered them on Amazon. I ordered some, too, but they're not come till tomorrow. I want to, like, I want to put some extra ones out Okay, today. I think if you go to, like, a... Yeah. I have some out, but they don't think... Don't go to a CVS. Is that what you said? Yeah. No, no, no. You got to go to, like, a, I don't know, a home care store. What are those? What are those? Like, Home Depot or something? I don't know if that's, like, can you get it at Home Depot? I don't know. Maybe Target. Like... But I would I would Google it, you know. I would I would go into the computer machine and I would Google where can machine. I buy ant traps, and then go to that place. Say, excuse me, where are your ant traps? They'll look at you. They'll look good. at you with revulsion, and then they'll say, okay, go over there, but don't touch anyone or anything. You go over there, you get the ant traps, and then you go to the checkout counter, and you've got your pile of ant traps, and you hand them to the person. And you say, please, what do I do now? And then they grab them from you and they say, please just don't touch me. And then they will scan them and then that will reveal a price of some sort. Okay. And then at that point, you have a choice. Okay. You can uh, first just walk away if the price is too much. Mm -hmm. You can take them and just run. (laughs) Okay. You can take out a credit card. Swipe that in the machine because that the, there's going to be a machine next to it. Okay, that is likely to have the price on it also revealed, and you right. can swipe it there. This or very you, helpful. Or you can uh, take out some um, some uh, some bills. You know, like the the things that have the numbers on them, the ones, yeah, the twos, with those. the They're fives, the tens, colors. the fifties, the twenties, oh. the hundreds. Uh, however, many of those do one dollar more than that. That's the price. Uh, do one dollar more than that, and then she or he is going to give you back some coins, some coinage. And okay. then you put that in your pocket. Make sure you don't leave the ant traps there. Take them with you. You got to take them with you because you have now, what this is called is you have now paid for that. 
They don't install them for you? Correct. Like the, okay. Exactly. And then you go get in your car, operate it uh, correctly back to your house, and then uh, put the ant traps where they're supposed to be uh, designated and then leave them there. Makes sense. Okay. All right. Feel will, good about that? Yeah. Great. Uh, so money can be exchanged for goods and services. Money this. can be exchanged for goods and services. If you take nothing else from this podcast, take that. That your money can be used to purchase things that can then be used by you for other tasks. Right. Uh, your money can be used to buy notoriety on our podcast in the form of Super Chats. That's true. Yeah. Your money can be used for many different purposes. We will put your name up on the screen. We only had one Super Chat, but I put it up on the screen from West Texas Mike. Thank you, West Texas Mike. He was like, he said his expectations uh, were a little too high. Mm. Yeah, because we were talking about killing ants at the top of the national championship show, but that's literally. And who- then we talked about how to perform a transaction at a store. Yeah. I mean, this is very important. You know, <laughs> informative like people are learning you're getting smarter by i i I wouldn't go that far no 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 amy says david explaining how capitalism works i mean that's not capitalism (laughs) (laughs) david hates capitalism that's how that's how a purchase works we have two likes on this show where are you people what's going on no we got like 23 likes i'm showing why is it only saying three on mine i don't know you're, you're kind of behind Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm seeing chat rate was that, but uh, yeah. Thanks for the likes. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being with us for uh, is this nine years now? We- yeah, our ten year anniversary of this stupid show is going to be sometime in middle of next year. This year, middle of this year. No, middle of next year, 2015. Okay. Yeah. Uh, ten year anniversary. That would be pretty cool. Um, it's gonna be a little different. We'll have to do a show with like top hats on and tuxedos. I like that. Yeah. Um. No, that's great. Yeah. I, you'll dress up. I don't mind dressing up every once in a while. Yeah. We can wear you, tuxes. You, you seem like you don't like it. No. I, uh, you like it? Too? Yeah. I'll throw on a suit. Okay. Yeah. Um. Hey, you look just—it's different in a suit sometimes. You know, people yeah. are like, oh, no, yeah, everyone's just like, I would I, like if I had a job where I wore a suit every single day, I'd be okay with it. You you would? Yeah. Oh, I don't think I would. No, I'd be totally okay with that. I think it's more like a special occasion thing. I like having a uniform. I like just, you know, that's the thing I wear. That's why the Carhartt shirts. It, it, it's very simple to think about. Like, okay, I don't have to think about this at all. I, I have so many, like, 247 t-shirts. I mostly wear those on the show. Today, Like, I got Smackfest on today. So if you play mm-hmm. beach volleyball in the South Bay, you know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, I'm kind of a t-shirt and shorts kind of person most of the time. Oh, it's a little chilly now. It is. It's you were like little... bundled up. I out. was. I had to put on a coat. I was running late, so I only came in the t-shirt. Yeah, and the wind was billowing through here, mm. uh, through the hallways of the storage facility that you have an office in. I do have an office in the storage facility. If you come here at night, yeah, it's not. it seems like there could be very mm, murdery, I guess. Is that a How word? How many bodies currently <laughs> are in the storage units? Okay, there's a lot of storage units. A lot of them don't get used. Some of them smell bad. I'm assuming... Between the, between three and five, right? I was gonna go three. Yeah, that's probably yeah, three bodies. Yeah. Like, it, it or it up to five. Well, parts, and then, then you just have parts. a pit of water behind this place. Like, how many bodies are in that pit of water? There could be. That's the uh, so right behind us, like right behind me, is like an, a Southern California Edison like auxiliary plant that they've hardly ever used. It's basically like an overflow plant, but it's like 
waterfront property with the horrible smokestacks that everybody yeah. hates, and it never even gets used. I think they have decided that they're going to knock it down. People want to develop, like if you could develop the land, it would like be. They're going of to find when they develop it. They're going to find fourteen bodies. Yeah, there's a, it's going to be one of those yeah. things. A lot of bodies there. Yeah, but it's going to take forever. Like the, it'll be like all the environmental stuff to like. Uh, it's going to take a long time, but eventually, maybe I'm probably won't even be alive by the time they uh, fix all that. But you can't see it because there's like a, there's a big window behind me, and then the the power plant. It's a great view. But you can see the ocean. We can see the ocean from my office, which is kind of cool. But mostly you see this huge power plant. Yeah. So Can't win them all. No. All right. All right. Well, we keep going on. That's going to wrap things up. I'm Ryan Abraham. That is David David Woods. And we are still the podcast of champions. Talking all things formally Pac-12 football. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.